Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You are about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Sportsbook Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It is August 12th, 2022. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast presented by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. And I know one guy who's going to need a support group for the next uh, 80 games or so in Major League Baseball. As uh, breaking news came out here about uh, maybe two hours ago, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres and that great lineup they seem to have put together out there in the last couple of weeks it has been uh, officially suspended for uh, the use of performance enhancing drugs. We're going to have that story and much, much more here tonight. And of course, uh, Alan is uh, with me on his end. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate it. Really glad to be on our show again. And we're going to have a great, fantastic show this Friday night. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we may need to see if we can, uh, get an address there for Fernando Tatis Jr. and, you know, give him that uh, four-pack of the Chef G's barbecue sauce to cheer him up because I know it's going to be a tough uh, 80 games for him being suspended. So um, what are your thoughts on this? I I was taken back. I was actually sitting at the table eating dinner and uh, came over, um, you know, through the uh, app on my phone. I think it was ESPN, and my wife actually mentioned it to me as well. Uh, I'm a little surprised by this. Uh, What about you? I am very surprised by it. You know, I did um, thought to myself, you know, why why a guy that plays so good, got so much talent, would get mixed into this. I just want to read a part of his statement of what he said. I have been informed, these are quotes, and this is by Fernando Tatis. I have been informed by Major League Baseball that a test sample I submitted returned a positive result for cluster ball, a banned substance, and Tati said in a statement issued by the Major League Players Association, it turned out that I inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm that contained clostebol. I should have used the resource available to me in order to ensure that no banned substances were in what I took. I failed to do so. And then he, went, he goes on to apologize to the organization and players. You know, it's one of those things that I hear what he's saying, and, yes, it's not unreasonable to think he made a mistake, but realistically, you're talented, you're gifted, one of the top stars in the major leagues. No one's going to believe that you actually made this mistake, even if you really did. You know, I was, one of the things that they teach you in corporate America is three words, perception is reality. People's perception is that you're so good and so much better than everyone else, this was your edge. And it's not fair. But that's what it is. People are going to assume that you probably did this on purpose or you have been doing this. So I don't think you get the benefit of doubt nowadays with these tests and with performance enhancing drugs. That's why you have to be extra, super duper careful substance that you take. Anytime it's something that you got to drink, anytime it's something that you got to take a needle or patch, you should be checking in that inside and out. He made a mistake, and he's going to have to pay the price. 
Yeah, my, my thoughts are, on the, are the same, but I, I do look at it from a different light here as well. Um, and I'm going to go back a little ways. Uh, 2015, uh, Florida Gators had a quarterback, and his name escapes me at this point. Something similar happened to him. He'd been injured. He had some some issues, and I can't remember even what the injuries were. And he was getting ready to come back, and they discovered in a test that he took that he had a banned substance. And so I hear what you're saying. I agree. You know, if you're taking something over the counter, something that's prescribed, you know, any of those things, you know, obviously you need to be very cautious. I don't like the way the system is set up. And I think most people, reasonable people would agree that, you know, if, if somebody, say he failed a test for, you know, let's say steroids, which, you know, I don't know if anybody takes those anymore or not at this point because they're so easy to detect, then obviously he's, he's made a, a, a boneheaded you know, decision like a bank robber walking in with no mask on and saying, give me all the money, you know, um, or if he got caught with HGH or something along those lines, I could certainly understand. I think that right now there are so many gray areas and I get it. You're absolutely correct. Perception is reality. However, I, I just don't think that the, the gray area needs to go away. It needs to be black and white. There needs to be a better resource for the players um, to know what they should and shouldn't take. Um, you know, whether it's something that the league has uh, a doctor administer or they are, you know, they get permission to take a substance so that if it does show up later on, it's not being perceived that it's, uh, you know, somebody trying to, to cheat their way um, back onto the field. Um, I just feel like there's so many areas where this can get um, screwed up. And, and it's unfortunate because I think this is a great player. Um, you know, I can't say whether I believe what he says or not. I, I think it's hard to, and that's, that's the hard thing about this is, you know, I had a discussion recently about Alex Rodriguez and, you know, obviously he was supposedly caught multiple times in his career. And the big thing that comes back is would he have put up the numbers he did without those, uh, PEDs that he used or would he maybe have put up better numbers? Who knows? You know, you never know how, how that impacted him. So, I just feel like this has done an injustice to the game. It's done an injustice to um, a lot of things. And I hope that – I really think that Major League Baseball should have, especially with the most recent uh, collective bargaining agreement, should have definitely found something that they could use either as a negotiating tool or they should have negotiated better put together a better way to manage these sorts of things so that we don't have this happening because the goal obviously is to have nobody doing things. But the reason we have these uh, rules in place is so that the people who do use PEDs, whether it's steroids, HGH or what have you are paying, you know, paying the penalties. I don't know that this is somebody who did this with the intent of, Hey, I'm trying to go out there and get better. Cause I think he's a, a great talent as it is already. And, you know, unfortunately now this is going to sustain his reputation forever, no matter how you look at it. So, yeah. And that's why, you know, you have to be extra careful because that's the thing we've seen, you know, you brought up a great point, Alex Rodriguez. We've seen players that definitely have great talent. They maybe are trying to mask an injury or they're getting too ambitious they want too much too soon, you know, then they don't want the steady great plant pace. They want a super great fast pace and they start doing these things and they get caught 
And it's like, you know, they go back to getting the suspension and ruin their reputation. And it's like, to me, if you're a great player and you know you're great, don't do it. Don't put yourself in that position. Why put yourself in a position that everything that you work for is tarnished because of you doing things on the sidelines you shouldn't be doing? You know, you know. okay, instead of getting 600 home runs, I'd rather get 550 clean, meaning no one could take it away from me. Instead of getting 625, I'd rather have the 550 because you're going to Hall of Fame, you're keeping your reputation. Fernando Tatis, this is like a bad time for him because last year he had trouble with Manny Machado. Now you're getting suspended for 80 games. The thing about this game, this suspension, is that it's, he's no longer going to be playing for the rest of this year, and he's suspended for the first 27 games of next year. So mm-hmm. it's kind of stretching to two seasons. And he just signed that big contract. I don't know if he felt the pressure of that big contract or what, but it's just it's it's just disappointing. You know, you, you just have to stay away from any of this speculation. It's And it's easy to me. He said he'd taken a bunch of over-the-counter drugs that he's tested in the future. I mean, and they've been clean. So you know what the procedure is. You, to me, this is something you cannot slip up on. You cannot make a mistake on this because there's your reputation and it hurts your team. You know, you don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. in the lineup. It hurts your team. It actually hurts your dad because he's going to have to answer these questions too. It's not a good look. Yeah, I, I think what there needs to be is every team, and maybe this is already out there. I don't know. I don't know the, the organizational, um, you know, employees, if you will. But I, I think that there needs to be an advocate for every single team, if there isn't already one, that player, whether it's the trainers or sometimes players have their own personal trainers that are not employed by the club, if a player is going to take whatever it is, medication, um, you know, stuff they use when they're working out, they need to be able to run it through somebody who has league access and they can go to the league and say, hey, we want to make sure this is something that they can take so that we're not running into a problem later on. I don't know why that's, I mean, that seems like common sense to me. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but I would think that would be something that would be, you know, to consider down the line. Um, but we shall see later on. Obviously, tonight I want to bring in our good buddy Lou, uh, get his uh, view on what has happened with Fernando Tatis. Uh, Lou, how are you tonight? Probably better than what Tatis has been. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard to yep. do that right now. Yeah. Nothing like your that's nothing just... like your father. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's it's um it's disappointing. My man was a highlight reel last year. Always on Sports yeah. Center. I mean, he's he's got some game. It's just it's just disappointing that he's mixed up in this. What are your thoughts, Lou, on on this suspension? Well, anybody, of course, who takes you know takes that kind of PED or whatever is you know, it's just wrong. I mean, you're you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. Everybody thinks, oh, it's not going to do any any harm in the short term. Maybe not, but over the long run, over a period of time, it's going to do more harm than good. And I don't think anybody, no matter who you are, uh, should take this should take this kind of drugs. It, it's, it's gonna it's gonna screw you up in the long run eventually. So I really I really do ba- do feel bad for him. or any player that you know uh, takes those kind of 
uh, pep, pep pills, you call it before anything goes down. It's all, it's all the same thing, of course. You know, but it doesn't make it right. And it really screws up the game as it has for the last now uh, 20 to 25 years or so. Just, put, just yeah. casting a black eye on the game itself. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, to, to Aaron's yeah. point, when you hear about this stuff so often, it, it, it messes up the game too because it's like, okay, this person doing it, that person doing it. Like, you guys haven't learned your yeah. lesson already? You haven't learned your lesson already? That's the problem. They don't learn their lessons. You know, they see one person doing anything, ah, it's not going to do any harm. This guy does that guy says, no. No. You should learn from that that, you know, that's not going to help you. Yeah, I mean, I I think now it's become a situation where they'll just take the money and, like, you know what, I'll do what I got to do yeah. and forget about the Hall of Fame, you know? Screw it. Now, why would you want to do that? That's what you should be, you know, trying to think about. So when your career is over, if you're going to have made the Hall of Fame and you want to throw it away, come on. Yeah, that's my Where's thought. Where's the, the, right the joy in that? That's my point, Lou. I mean, I've been to Cooperstown. It's a great fraternity. You get to, to hang out with guys who are made it to Hall of Fame. Every year you get to meet up with the people yeah. that – are being inducted, who are already inducted, the history of the game, you stay connected to the game, stay connected to the fans, and it, it's it's awesome. Like, you're a Hall of Famer. When you sign your name, you can pull Hall of yeah. Fame. I think, I think that legacy part, to me, would mean a lot. If you remove that, and I can't go to the Cooperstown, I'm not going to be there, I'm not going to be part of that fraternity, then why did I have a, a 15, 20-year career to begin with? For just to get paid? And that's it. It was just money. There's nothing after that fact, you know, to keep you fulfilled. I, I just think it's just not worth doing shady stuff. It's just not worth it. No, it's not worth it at all. Whether you're in baseball, basketball, football, any sport, it's not worth ruining your body and not worth, and not worth ruining your career. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and the, the frustrating thing is a lot of the guys that get caught doing this stuff, you know as well as I know, Lou, they don't need to do it, and they wouldn't make it to the Hall of Fame. They'd just be a little patient. Yeah, yeah. but unfortunately, today's generation doesn't have any patience. No, you're right about that. It's, um, you know, instant gratification, instant notification. Right. You know, as soon as, they, as soon as you get a notification, people want you to respond right away, like if you're doing nothing all day long. Right. You know, it's just it's just, it's just the microwave society. You know, it's right. just it's it's just crazy. But um, instant everything. Instant everything. Nobody wants to wait for anything. No. And that's 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 really. How do you think this is going to affect Fernando Tatis in his his long term? Kind of like how because he just signed his contract. What do you think is going to affect him long term? Well, the more he takes it, the worse he's going to get. It's going to, it's going to affect this game. You know, if he's smart and quits now, I don't think he'll have any, have any, uh, you know, any real damage. But the more you do it, the worse you're going to be. So, if he's smart, you know, maybe he'll get off it, and you know, because if he keeps us up, he might even live out his, live out his contract. Yes, it's that, that's you know, a great point. I mean, it's not been looking good for him. I mean, you know, he's got in trouble. 
Yeah, that's the thing, man. That that's something, man. A Rod is is definitely a guy that I I feel should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, I'll say it like this: his talent and everything about him pointed him to Cooperstown, but his ego, his self-centeredness, got in the way. Over ambition got that's in the way, and that's so, what, what derailed. Uh, definitely a highlight career. It was a highlight career until this happened. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, Alex, man, it's like, I like the guy, but he just, he just, he just won't get out of his own way. No. That's the sad part of it. He had a great career ahead of you, and you're going to throw it away over this stuff. Yeah, and that's the thing. And he got busted twice. And and, he, and the crazy thing about Alex is that in his mind, he still feels he's if he's going to get in the, in the Hall of Fame. And he really believes that. In his mind, uh, he feels he's, if it's the other guys didn't make it, but they're going to make an exception for him, and he's going to make it in there. And I'm like, no, because the other guys had a lot of suspicion you failed two drug tests, not one, but two. So you ain't getting in. Yeah. Bad Bond's not getting in. You're not. You're not getting in. If Bad Bond's not getting in, and Roger Clemens, you're not getting in because neither one of them failed. No. Technically failed the drug test. You failed a drug test, and you failed another one too. So you did a Fernando Tatis times two. Come on, man. You're not getting in. Yeah. No, and you shouldn't. And you shouldn't, exactly. You shouldn't get in. Like, if that's the standard, you shouldn't get in. It just sets a bad president. And as much as I like A-Rod, I would, if I had a vote, I would not vote him in. I would not. It wouldn't even be a consideration. No. As great of a play as he is, it wouldn't be a consideration. You failed two drug tests. And on the second one, you colluded with the investigation. So, no. You, you, you no. No, this is this is no. not like a, the Hall of Shady. This is not the Hall of Shady. This is the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I get the reference to that. <laughs> so, what do you got going on in your show uh, this weekend, Lou? Well, let's see. I'll do some Slim Shady and number one. No, oh boy, what? Uh, MLB. MLB uh, we'll talk. We'll even talk some Little League baseball because it's that time of year we have the Little League World Series, and a couple of New Jersey teams might be getting in to the real thing. So I want to concentrate on that. Uh, NFL preseason. Uh, we'll look at the Hall of Fame uh, inductees. Uh, we'll take a look at some NHL and the NBA. And, of course, we're going to continue the ongoing World War III between the PGA and that lid tournament, whatever you want to call it. So this thing is getting downright ugly again. Yeah, so sure it is. The, so for all the good, the bad, and the, oh, yeah, the ugly, we got it all. Tomorrow on the Enhanced Sports Show, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 512-543-4662 is the number. I'll repeat it again, 512-543-4662. That's 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Not 5 o'clock in Antarctica, not 5 o'clock in Los Angeles, not 5 o'clock in uh, Arizona, 5 o'clock New York time. 
keep that in mind, people. Yep, that's right. 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. Make sure you check out the Enhanced Sports Show tomorrow between 5 and 7, Eastern Standard Time Zone, and support our great friend Lou. And, and especially next week because we'll start with the college football predictions. Yes, absolutely. So definitely things are heating up. Baseball is, is still in effect. And the nice thing about this time of the year is you got some very good baseball games as well as football starting to come around the corner. So great times to be uh, a sports fan. Make sure you support Lou. All right. Oh, you're very welcome. Lou, we appreciate you tremendously. Thank you. Have a you good night, And you have a great weekend, too. All right, so our good buddy Lou there. Thank you again to him for taking uh, time out of his Friday night to uh, come here on to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio podcast, again presented by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Uh, moving right along here, um, and speaking of A-Rod, uh, last evening for the second year in a row, we had the Field of Dreams uh, game, uh, baseball game played, of course, in middle of Iowa, middle of the cornfield in Iowa, in fact, uh, on the movie set, uh, essentially uh, right near the movie set, rather, of the great movie Field of Dreams, which, of course, took place uh, in 1988. In the last two years, uh, I believe last year it was the Yankees and the White Sox. Last evening it was the Cubs and the Reds, uh, two historic teams. The reason I bring A-Rod up is, of course, he works for Fox uh, Sports, and he was, uh, of course, uh, during the pregame show, talking about how there'd be eight home runs hit in the game and there were zero. So <laughs> he was a little <laughs> off there. Uh, maybe if they were, maybe, maybe Alan, if they were all on steroids, there would have been eight home runs hit last night. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> that apparently wasn't the case. So that was a cheap, that was a cheap shot, but it was worth it there. So um, great, great game though. Great event. Um, just a neat thing to see. Um, you have the original uh, field, which is uh, just off, you know, maybe, several hundred feet from where the actual park is last night that they uh, had the game at. But what a neat concept to have, you know, was it 15,000 people or 10,000 people there? You have all these cornfields around. It's laid out just like the movie set was. Um, you know, it's a regular season game that has meaning to it, and they wear these uniforms from 100 years ago. Uh, just a lot of neat uh, nuances there. What, what are your thoughts on that? I just think it's a really cool thing that Major League Baseball does. I really do. It's it's exciting, it's different, it's unique. It really brings, incorporates the present as well as the history of the game. I think it's remarkable. Of all the things that Major League Baseball have messed up, I think they hit a Grand Slam times two. Grand Slam, then they loaded the base again and hit another Grand Slam. It's just, it's so cool. And and to your point, I think Alex would be definitely aiming and swinging for the, for the cornfield, not even the fences. He'd be sit, swinging for the cornfield. Because it's really cool, you know, hitting the home run out there. But it is it is a cool stadium, great experience for the players and fans. And I, I love the fact that they don't do it all the time. And they're going to take a year off next year because of they're going to do some more construction. So I just think it's, it's just wonderful. I, I really love it. Yeah, it's just a neat thing. I, I would like to just go there and see the field itself and, you know, do a tour. I think that would be really neat. Um, especially when you consider it's literally out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's not a whole lot around it. It's a small town. Um, 
but it brings kind of to life what the concept of the movie was from the late 80s. You build it, he will come. And, of course, that's what they've done. They, they've done that. They've added a lot of touristy type of things to it. Um, if you're a real baseball fan, in my opinion, feel the dreams. And we could talk about a lot of other baseball movies. There's a ton of them to talk about. Feel the dreams is, in my opinion, the best baseball movie ever made. Um, I'm not sure if you have the same opinion or not, but um, just a, a great movie. If people out there haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend that they do so. Uh, it's definitely a very, I wouldn't say it's as entertaining as it is um, thought-provoking, um, historical, um, and some of the things that are talked about in the movie, obviously it's fictional, but, um, and then to me, the thing I've always, since I was a kid, taken away from the movie itself is the end of the movie, you understand what it's about. And to me, what it's about is you have Ray Kinsella, who's played, of course, by Kevin Costner, who never got a chance to play catch with his, his dad when he was a kid, when he was growing up, and his dad has um, passed away. Um, and so his dad is one of the, the ghosts on the field, and at the end of the movie, he gets a chance to play catch with his dad. That's that's what I take away from the movie. That's the whole thing right there. So um, hopefully if people haven't seen it, I didn't give it all away, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you still have to see it. It's a great movie. So. Yeah, and it, and it's a movie that's been out for a while. In all fairness, it's not a new movie that's just been released, but it's it's a classic movie. Feel the dreams. That's one of definitely one of my favorites. Forty two is also one of my favorites, as well as Major League. Yeah, Major League is uh, obviously if you're into comedy. Um, yeah, you know the story of the. I want to say the 1989 Cleveland Indians. They were supposed to be a really bad team. They had an owner that was trying to get them to tank so that they could uh, lose enough fans to move the team to Miami and build a new ballpark. And, um, you know, you got a lot of pretty big actors in that movie, too. You got Wesley Snipes. That was when he was a pretty young guy. Um, one of his first movies. Uh, you got, you know, Tom Berenger. Um, I'm trying to think. Obviously, Charlie Sheen is in it. Um, Bob Uecker, uh plays the announcer. So there's a lot of big names in that movie, and that one's for laughs. That one's, you know, there's nothing really just about yeah. that. So, yeah, that one's just... Hey, man. That one's the just All for State. laughs, for sure. Yep. Yeah. The All-State <laughs> actor, I just looked my mind, he's he's in it, too. Um, what is his name? Uh, that is... It'll come to me here in a moment. I know who you're talking about. Um... Yes, Dennis Haysbert. Yep, Dennis Haysbert. He played. He, he's been in a lot of other things since. Um, but yeah, no, he, it was one of his first uh, big uh, gigs he got in the acting world too. So, um, and they've made I think two or three of those movies uh, since. Right. Uh, there was a second one. The third one wasn't exactly you know one that you want to watch. It was kind of kind of you know low budget. There wasn't a whole lot of big names in it. The second <laughs> one was. Second one was pretty pretty decent. I think after the second one though, it was kind of, you know, if you have nothing better to do, maybe watch that one. But, um, <laughs> but since we're talking about baseball movies, I mean, there's some other really good ones out there. I've always been a huge fan of The Sandlot. That that was a terrific film. Um, let's see. I think since Little League is starting is coming up, The Bad News Beers is a real old yeah, movie, no, but that's a good one too. That's a good one. The Bad too. News Beers. 
Fever Pitch, that's another one if you're, you're more for comedy, but it also has some historical references in it, too. Um, it kind of follows a, a diehard Red Sox fan and the, the 2004 season and kind of the things that led up to it. So um, that was kind of a neat one as well. So, yeah, we'll have a probably sometime in the off season we'll have a, a way to maybe go through and rate some of these movies. We'll give our top ten list or something at, at some point. But, um, but again, I, I go back to Field of Dreams. Uh, what a cool thing. What a cool event. And it is nice. It's something they do every single year. It's nice to – make it more of a, uh, you know, every several years type of thing. And um, you're correct. I believe they are doing some construction where they're adding more stuff around the area. So it'll be a, a neat event to watch, um, you know, yeah, in the future. And my understanding too is that baseball is wanting to do some other events, regular season events where they have games in places they don't normally have. And I know a few years ago, I want to say it was in 2019, Boston and the Yankees played at, I want to say it was at Wembley Stadium over in, in London. Um, so, you know, maybe some more things like that, you know, neat things where you send the showcase teams over. I know that, you know, in years past, and I'm going back into the 90s probably in some of this, um, actually probably even further back than that, there was a series that they played um, where it was the U.S. Uh, US uh, players, players for the uh, major leagues here in the United States playing against some of the best players in Japan uh, over in like Tokyo Dome. So I think there's some neat, uh, neat things about that too. Yeah, that is cool. And definitely that's a great movie. That's just a great thing is that when I've been thinking about it, there's, there's a lot of great baseball movies, you know, and yeah. they have historical references, which is always nice. Now, yeah. I was going to say the rookie, uh, that was a good one. That, that's uh, the, the pitcher. I think uh, I can't remember his name uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. It was supposed to have take, taken place in the early 2000s, if I remember correctly. That was uh, that was a pretty good movie there. And there's a few Jack other Garza? ones. I'm, I'm sorry, who was that? Yeah, there's, there's a few. You're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. let's see, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm trying to. It's tough now to think about which one is your favorite. Yeah, I, I would still stick with uh, Field of Dreams. I don't think there's anything close to that. So it'd be basically what's the second best one, um, you know, to go forward. And I think there's there's probably five or six movies that you could really, you know, go through and and pick out as, you know, a, a second best uh, baseball flick, if you will. So if you build it, they will come. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, Field of Dreams game, how did you think A-Rod did as a play-by-play announcer? Um, and, you know, you and I talked about this uh, ahead of uh, the show here tonight. Um, you know, he's got some good insights on things. I, I definitely would agree with that. But I think this is a guy who it's almost like his playing career, you know, hasn't ended. He's still out there on the field. And I think his ego is still – very, very much alive. Um, <laughs> most of the stuff he talks about, he includes himself in. And I, I think that's a little bit um, demeaning to the players he's talking about. I think he takes away from the, the players that he's talking about a, a lot of times. And sometimes he repeats himself. Sometimes he gets way off topic of whatever he started talking about. So I would say, you know, that's not necessarily – being an analyst, 
you know, that's, that's not such a bad thing. I think it's more what his calling is. But, I, you know, if he's going to do him play-by-play, that's not really where I think he belongs personally. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I definitely – I kind of got mixed feelings on this. I think Alex actually does have a lot of baseball IQ. I really do. I, if you listen to his analysis, he makes a lot of sense. And he knows the game. He's a smart guy. But like you said, he's, he's a guy who's doing the announcing who'd rather be out there playing. And when you're announcing, you can't make comparisons with yourself all the time. You have to make comparisons to guys who are actually playing. Hey, this guy hits not similar to me. He hits similar to such and such. And I think he, he has to remove himself from that in order to be a better announcer. And that's the thing, you know, as much as I, I really – like A-Rod and think he's a great talent, he always seems to put his, you know, his ego and self-centeredness, and that gets him in trouble. It's a history shown that it gets him in trouble. And being an announcer, you can't use yourself as a comparison or barometer because, like you said, to your point, great point, it puts down the player that you're comparing yourself to. You understand? you got to make it about them, not about you. And I think that's where he struggles. Yeah, and this even goes back to his playing career and, and not even the recent part of his playing career. I would go back to, you know, you and I have talked about this the last couple of weeks, the, the uh, series The Captain, which has been on ESPN. It's a great series, by the way, folks. I've just uh, last night finished episode four. I think there's seven episodes altogether, if I'm not mistaken, so I'm a little over halfway through. Uh, of course, um, if you don't know what The Captain is, it's, of course, basically a chronicle of Derek Jeter's entire career from Little League all the way to being a Hall of Famer. Um, and, of course, I don't know exactly what's going to be discussed during the last three episodes, but in especially episodes three and four, and I don't want to give the whole thing away, A-Rod's ego definitely comes out, comparing himself to Derek Jeter, comparing Derek Jeter to himself, talking about how Derek Jeter never had to lead in New York, how you know it's not that hard to hit number two in a lineup, it's a lot harder to hit number three and number four. Um, things that, you know, may not be bad to think in your mind, but when you say them out loud and other people have a chance to take those statements and twist and turn them the way the media does a lot of times, when you hear them, they do sound pretty, you know, um, disrespectful. I think it showed, and I know you and I have talked about this and texted about this a lot over the last several days, it really showed the difference between the two players, Derek Jeter and and uh, Alex Rodriguez, and I wanted to kind of go into that here tonight. What are your thoughts on the difference between those two uh, players individually? There are very stark differences between the two. You know, I'll start with with Derek. With Derek, he just wanted to win. He was a guy who was a competitor. He hated losing. He mentioned that, you know, that his father used to compete with him all the time. He wanted to win, you know, and that Winning is making sure that you're prepared and your teammates are ready to be prepared. So Derek is more of a team player, and that was the thing. He was a guy who played in New York, and since he was a winner and his team won, as a result of that, he became a superstar. He wasn't trying to be a superstar. He became a superstar because he was a winner. There's a big difference. Alex, on the other hand, has, you know – and let me just back up a little bit. Another thing about Derek is Derek actually, I feel, has some baseball talent, 
but he had to work a lot harder to get there. He had to work harder with his fielding, his hitting, feeling comfortable. He just didn't have those physical attributes and those gifts that A-Rod does have. Now let's go to A-Rod. A-Rod, to me, is a physically gifted talent. God gifted him with a five-tool player. The guy's got a cannon from arm, great fielder, hitter. He can hit with power. can do it all. And tremendous physical talent. got size, too. He's got more muscle mass than Derek. And he just has the gifts. And that's what it is. He works hard, too. Don't get me wrong. Alex does put in hard work. But, you know, they're the saying, hard work beats talent when talent is hardly working. If I'm, if you work really hard and I work really hard and we work the same level, but I have a lot more talent than you do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more superior than you are. But if you're putting in hard work and I do have more talent than you, but I'm not working at all, you're going to beat me. Eventually, you're going to come in there and beat me. Alex Rodriguez, the biggest thing about him, though, he wants to be a superstar. He He's looking for that singular, it's got to be me. It's got to be me. I got to be the man. I got to be the man. I got to have everybody think I'm the man. He's playing to be a superstar. And it, and he did talk about this. In his, in, in the, you know, to be fair, Alex did talk about this, that he, because of his childhood, he struggled with insecurity. That's what happens with people who have egos. They cover up their ego by having insecurity. So, that's Alex, and that has been his, his kind of like his Achilles heel is that when his ego gets in the way, it doesn't turn out well for him. When he does put his ego aside, which is rare, it turns out extremely well for him, and that's why he's got that 2009 ring. Yeah, no, that's a good point there. I, I've always looked at both players as being very, very talented. Uh, both, uh, both were physically talented. Um, I would look at – a-Rod as a much, much better power hitter um, as opposed to Jeter, who I think only hit 30 home runs in his career once if he did it at all. He wasn't yeah. a home run hitter. He could hit the ball out of the ballpark. And he, he, here's the thing I'll say, kind of similar to Ichiro, um, who was a great hitter, Derek Jeter could have been a, a hitter who, you know, hit for more power if he had wanted to, but he would have sacrificed batting average in order to do that. So I think most batting, uh, hitting coaches, I think most managers, I think most baseball fans would say, I would rather have a guy who's going to hit 300 and only hit maybe 20 or 25 home runs a year because when you put the ball in play, you may drive in more runs as opposed to a guy like, you know, hitting, say, 240. Yeah, they might hit uh, 40 home runs, but, you know, if – 25 of those home runs are solo home runs. That's 25 RBIs. So, uh, you know, I look at it this way too. Derek Jeter is more likely to get a uh, two-run single into right field versus Alex Rodriguez, who's more likely to hit a two-run homer. Um, the difference in the players, they both had, you know, they both were good on the bases. They both had good speed. Jeter was definitely the better defender. There was no question there. And that's not saying A-Rod wasn't, um, but it, it's, it's clear that Jeter was a better defensive player than A-Rod. A-Rod had more power. Alex Rodriguez hit the ball, you know, 450 feet versus Jeter hitting it, you know, sometimes it's barely clear the fence. Not that that's cheapening what Jeter did, but that's just showing that there was more of a power uh, consistency in the home runs 
Alex Rodriguez hit versus Derek Jeter. So I think both are talented, but the main difference is the leadership skills and quality. Um, A-Rod basically was put on a pedestal from day one. He was the number one pick in the 93 draft. Um, you know, he, he always got things the way that he wanted them to go. And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit uh, outside of the show here. Um, you know, the the uh, program, I believe it's called Screwball, kind of underscores this. The ego thing for uh, A-Rod has been around since he was, you know, 17, 18 years old. So it's not something that's come out of the blue um, or, you know, happened, you know, when he first hit the big leagues. He had that way before he made it to that level. So um, I think coupling that with the success and then obviously the money and then even bigger than that, the fact that he went to the biggest market in sports in New York, um, those things were a recipe for disaster. And I don't know that Derek Jeter and A-Rod's relationship is really where they would like it to be or where they would like us to think it's at. I, I kind of still think there's some sourness there on both sides. You know, not to be spoiler alert, but, you know, there is. But I do think what I'm getting from Derek is that time is it's kind of healed old wounds, and he's trying to – I think he's trying to have a relationship with Alex. may not be like it was before, but to be cordial and still be cool again. I, I think Derek is in a place where – He's, you know, he recently lost a friend, you know, may, um, may he rest in peace, Gerald Williams, who was in his documentary, The Captain, unfortunately has passed away earlier this year. So in a way it was, you know, it was good that they did get him on film and camera. But I think to fill the void of missing a very, very close friend, I think in a way in time now, I think Derek is kind of needing a friend. And I think... I think Alex is kind of the guy to fill the void. It may not be where you said it could, it could even be better. Who knows? But I do think they kind of want to mend the fence. You know, where I come out on that riff is Alex basically, you said it perfectly. Those are things you say to your friends or your boy. You don't say it in someone in the media. You don't make comments like that where you know where it's going to go. You know Alex has been in this game a long time. If you're putting down – Derek, what you were, you were putting down Derek, you know, it wasn't necessary for you to do that. And he did apologize. I'll give Alex credit. He did apologize about it. But those things are just, that's another thing about his ego. He feels the need that he has to put somebody down to make himself look good. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You know, it's better somebody brags on you than you bragging on yourself. And and you never look good putting somebody else down. And... I can understand where it rubbed Derek the wrong way because it's not really true, too. If you're going to face the Yankees, especially in the 90s, and you're not going to pay attention to what Derek is doing, guess what? There's a good potential. He can make a defensive play or offensive play that can break the back of your team. That's what Derek does. He's Mr. Clutch. You don't think about him. He makes the flip play, a dive play. It's a home run, leadoff home run like you did in the Mets, and that kills your your whole spirit, your whole team's demeanor. He just does that. That's what he does. So if you don't pay attention to him, you're going to end up getting burnt. So I I disagree with Alex on that comment. Yeah, you may not come in thinking about 
him as an offensive guy hitting the ball out of the ballpark, but you can't ignore him in the postseason. Yeah, no, it's kind of like, uh, you know, betting against Tom Brady. You just don't do that. <laughs> when you do, yeah. a lot of times you're going to end up, uh, you know, facing it the wrong way at the end. I mean, that's that's really how it worked out there. Now, we talked about this a little bit too, and I've I've always felt this, and they really do a great job of of underscoring this in this series. Uh, of course, uh, the captain. I really feel that where the Yankees started to go, I don't want to say the wrong direction, but where they got caught up a little bit in in themselves is after they lost that World Series in 2001. Great World Series, by the way. In fact, I would say it's maybe the best one played in the, in the last 50 years. You know, you're coming off 9-11. Yankees uh, win those two games in dramatic fashion in Yankee Stadium. Really lifted the spirits of the of the people of New York. Uh, and, of course, nobody won um, a road game in that series. It was all home wins. So you had Arizona at one point up two games to none. New York up, eventually up uh, three games to two. And then Arizona – taking it to town in game six. I think they won 15 to two. And then of course, you know, we, we all know what happened in the ninth inning of game seven. So I, I feel like just because of the circumstances, that's one of the best world series ever played and all the drama and everything that went with it. But I think after that world series, you had a number of players who retired um, guys that were really good in the clubhouse too, by the way, uh, you had uh, Scott Brocious retire. You had Paul O'Neill retire. Um, you let uh, Tino Martinez uh, test free agency. He ended up, of course, succeeding Mark McGuire as the first baseman in St. Louis. And you brought in all these big-time free agents and a lot of ego. And, you know, all, oftentimes it goes with the, the money, the ego stuff. That seems like that was kind of the, the, the downfall of those great Yankees teams in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that played out going forward, uh, especially with um, George Steinbrenner? kind of inserting his authority and um, opening the checkbook up. Yeah. You know, George Steinbrenner, you know, the late George Steinbrenner is a guy that wanted to win at all costs. I will say that much. And he was willing to put his money where his mouth is and pay money. You know, he wanted, he just wanted a winner. And I think sometimes when it comes to teamwork, you have to have chemistry and you have to have set up guys. I think if you have too much power in your lineup, no matter who you are, whether the Yankees, it, I don't think that's a good thing. I really don't. Yes, you might have a lot of guys who hit home runs, but you know as well as I know, Aaron, in the postseason, what wins is small ball. You need guys who can run, steal bases, bunt, you know, go ahead and sacrifice, get that extra base. That's winning baseball. And in the postseason, usually the home runs dry up. That's just how it is. You're facing number one pitching. So you don't want to have a team that just has power. You need to have, just like in golf, you don't want to have just power and get hit the drive. You've got to have a small, small game, too. you got to have a short game. If you don't have the short game in baseball, you're not going to win championships. And that's, that's the reason why I felt they lost. You know, they had they had an opportunity that field to win more championships, but I think they were just too top-heavy, just trying to get that big splash. And it's okay if you add a couple of pieces, but your foundation can't not just be guys that can go yard all day long. You've got to have guys who can run, who can hit. That's why I feel Derek Jeter 
it was a perfect fit for the Yankees because he could, you know, he could keep the line moving. He had the inside-out swing, get the little base hit. You need those things. And I think um, I think George Steinbrenner did some great things for the Yankees. I really do. But I also feel with his personality, sometimes those things were negative. I, I think he did uh, – I really do believe he did Dave Winfield wrong. I mean, you'll have to check into the history of that, but I feel as if he did him wrong. And I feel as a lot of times George Steinbrenner overstepped his bounds, but at the same token – you want a guy that can, who wants to win too as your owner as well. No, that's a good point there. That's a good point for sure on that. Um, yeah, and that, that is, you know, obviously there probably are some listeners out there who are not familiar with the uh, spat between uh, Steinbrenner, the late George Steinbrenner, of course, and, of course, uh, Dave Winfield. That took place in, I believe, the mid-'80s, if I'm not mistaken, and there were some uh, dire consequences from that, unfortunately. So, um, but no, that's a great program. I, I've uh, really enjoyed. It's usually uh, each episode about an hour, hour and fifteen minutes. I've really enjoyed uh, watching them. They, they are very, not necessarily. Uh, I don't don't want to use the word entertaining because it's not something you're sitting there um, watching in a complete entertainment sense. It's it's really memories of something that happened, you know, twenty years ago, and, and watching back and seeing um, you know these clutch performances and some of the the series they lost, you know, obviously in 01 and then losing to a Marlins team in 03 that really had no business being in the playoffs or even the world series for that matter. So um, it's, it's very, very good. I, I'm looking forward to the next three episodes, um, you know, to wrap it up. And, and of course, uh, really excited about um, what those next three episodes of course have in store. So I got a couple of questions for you on that, on, on the, the captain. First question is, now, the, the, the Yankees lost to that Marlins team, and that was one of the losses that Derek said really kind of bothered him, along with two others. But I kind of felt as if they ran into a buzzsaw with the Marlins. The Marlins got hot at the right time. And the Yankees, I don't feel, were, were as competitive against the Marlins. What was your thoughts on that series? Well, I mean, you go back and look at it almost 20 years later, and I remember where I was at when that series ended, the, the 03 World Series. Um, I was at a good friend's house uh, at the time. Big Yankee fans they were. And, of course, I'm, you know, going for the small underdog team. And I remember when the last out was made, slowly getting up and walking out and saying, hey, have a good night. <laughs> so um, <laughs> personal side story on it. but. Um, I, I really think, and it's actually it's stated in, in the in the series, of course, uh, I think it's in episode four. I think that the, and this happens in, in sports sometimes, you, it, I, I use the lightning um, here in, in the Tampa area uh, the last couple months as kind of an uh, example in the NHL of this. Sometimes you run into that team that has your number, even though you beat them in the playoffs, they got enough of you to, you know, expose whatever your weaknesses were or show that next team they're going to play or, you know, what, what your weaknesses are or just tire you out enough to where you don't have enough energy to get over the hump and you kind of get, you know, a sucker punched in the face and don't realize it. And I really think that Marlins team, they got hot at the right time. I mean, look at the series they, uh, series they played. Um, they, they had to win on the road the entire time. They won the wild card. They had a second half, kind of like Atlanta had this past year, um, where they – weren't even really in contention at the, at the trade deadline. And then mid August or so, they got really hot 
They have the uh, series where they won against the Giants um, on the last uh, of the, the throw home by Jeff Conine to Pudge Rodriguez that uh, ended up uh, throwing out the runner at home plate. And then they, of course, storm all the way back against the Cubs in the NLCS after being down three games to one. Um, so you have all those things happening. And then, of course, they just sucker punched the Yankees. I mean, for lack of a better term and way to describe it, and you're absolutely right, a buzzsaw. They had – Let's see, they had uh, Josh Beckett, and that was his rookie year. Miguel Cabrera, that was his rookie season. You had uh, Dontra Willis, who had phenomenal – really, that was the best year of his career. It was his first uh, year in the league there in 2003. And you had some veteran pieces, and that's something I always like to throw in there. Veteran pieces don't always necessarily mean that guys are going to go out and put up a ton of great numbers. Because baseball is a numbers game, and that's the thing that everybody gravitates to. How many home runs did this guy hit? How many runs did he drive in? And it's not necessarily those things that are important. It's more, did he come through in a clutch situation? Did he know the right things to say to his teammates in the clubhouse after a tough loss? Those things are infinitely more valuable than some of the numbers that you see. Those are the behind-the-scenes things that happen. And I think it was guys like Jeff Conine and Uga Urbina and Pudge Rodriguez, because he was a veteran at the time, that really made a difference. And the pitching staff that the Marlins had in 03 – was absolutely, absolutely uh, incredible. So I think that that series um, that the Yankees played, it went to seven games in the ALCS against the Red Sox. They just, I think the Red Sox had their number. That game goes beyond where it did. Boston may very well win it. But I think what, they, what the Red Sox did, they may not have won the series, but they punctured enough holes in the Yankees to say, okay, now when we play the Marlins, they're, they're not going to be able to win that series. It was really really a mismatch. That, that, that series, I know the uh, Marlins won it four games to two. It was almost like they swept the series the way it was played. So I'm glad you said that because I felt the same way. I, you know, I was like saying these are the three losses that I felt like Derek, he, he publicly said, you know, he, he said they should have beat the Red Sox when they came back. And I, I agree with them. That, to me, is to, is to this day the biggest choke in, in history. Number two, he felt as if the when they lost against the Diamondbacks, it slipped right through their fingers. It was their series to win, and they slipped. I agree with him on that one. But he said we should have beat the Marlins. That one I, I don't agree with because I'm like, I'm glad you said that. I felt as if even though the Yankees did win two games, it almost felt as if the Marlins got swept them. They just the Yankees ran to a bus or I didn't find the Yankees was that competitive in that series. Yeah, they won a game here and they won another game here, but I don't think they were really in the hunt to seriously win this series. I thought the Marlins were just just that good. So I would say out of those three, if I was him, I would just just take the Marlins one off the list. I know you can't, you know, it's gonna bother you, but I wouldn't hold the emotional baggage on that Marlins series because you ran to a bus or. Yeah, you ran into a team that was really hot. And you think about it this way, you know, Yankees, I think, led the ALCS uh, that year three games to two and had to really fight to get that seventh uh, game seven win in. They were down five to two at one point with Pedro on the mound. And that's the game we always talk about. Uh, you know, should Grady Little have left Pedro in the game? I think he was screwed either way. If he had taken Pedro out there and the bullpen had blown the game, Grady Little, I've always felt, was a scapegoat for that uh, 03 team. They leave, they leave him in. The, the Boston media, the Boston fans crucify 
Grady Little for leaving them in. But if you'd taken them out and the same thing had happened, they would have said, oh, they should have left Pedro in the game. So um, I, I, I will say this, and this was actually said by somebody, I can't remember who it was, in episode four. I think those seasons from probably like 99 to 2003, 2004, those are the four or five best baseball seasons, regardless of who won the World Series those years. Those are the four or five best baseball seasons probably in our lifetimes, if you really go back and look at all the historical things that were happening in those years um, with the Red Sox finally breaking the curse, winning three games, uh, being down three games to none, winning four in a row, going on and sweeping the Cardinals in the World Series, you, you know, just what happened in no one, like I mentioned before, the Yankees winning four out of five World Series. They had a streak at one point going from 96 because they won the last four games of the 96 series. They swept the Padres in 98, the Braves in 99, and they won the first two games of the uh, 2000 World Series against the Mets. They won 14 World Series games in a row at one point, which is pretty darn hard to do because there's, m- most teams aren't going to play in 14 World Series games in a 20-year period. So the Yankees do this in a what four-year period, five-year period, whatever. Um, I mean, that's just remarkable. So a lot of neat things. Yep. That those are, those are I, I would say, that between the years 98 and 2004, those are the best six, seven baseball seasons ever, at least in, in my lifetime. I can't speak for you, of course, but I, I think those are are just so historical and, and obviously um, looking back at them, a lot of fun to watch. Exactly. I agree. I mean, it was just fun to watch. Historically great team. It wasn't all about power. They can manufacture us and just great coaching and great, great players. And I mean that that was a dynasty. They would they if they win that Arizona series, they win four in a row. That is just remarkable. And even with them losing it, I still think it's a remarkable run. And that's the question I had for you. The other question is, I know you've been watching this series, the the captain, even though you're not a New York fan, can you can someone get a lot of value out of this? Yourself and other people? Absolutely. And I, I would say this from a a, a, a baseball perspective. If you're a fan of baseball, it is a very fun series to watch. There's no question about it. Um, and, and I'll say this, you know, Eric Eater's somebody I'm a, a fan of. You know, I'm not a Yankee fan. Everybody knows that. I know a lot of people out there, uh, if you know me personally, uh-huh. I'm not a Yankee fan. I will say this, though. A lot of players on the Yankees that I've really enjoyed watching and I'm fans of, but Derek Jeter is one that I, I really admire because – much like a guy like Michael Jordan, who I grew up watching and mimicking and trying to pretend that I was, you know, out in the driveway with an eight and a half foot, uh, you know, rim set up that I could actually dunk on. You know, you try to pretend like you're Michael Jordan. Same thing with a guy like Derek Jeter. You know, he, you, admi- uh, you admire him because he's a leader. He's someone who wins and he's someone who perseveres to not let, you know, failure stand in the way of trying to be better every time you go out there. And I, I think that there's a lot of similarities in that, um, in that uh, way between those two people, uh, Jordan, of course, and, and Jeter. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the thing. You, I'm glad you said that because I, I feel the same way, that even if you're not a Yankee fan, you can get a lot out of this series about there's a lot of life lessons, you know, working through adversity, working hard, when you do get an opportunity, make the most of it. Also, when you are in that opportunity, don't ever think you can't be replaced. you got to continue to perform because you had George Steinbrenner as your boss. 
you're not producing, it could be short-lived victory for you. You know, you get the position and you're out in a year or two, you know, so constant pressure. So it, it, it is a lot of things you can unpack out of this. And, and I agree, if you're not a Derek Jeter fan, you're not a Yankee fan, you can also respect a guy who made it to the major leagues and had a remarkable career. It's, it's not easy having any close to the type of career he's had. I, you know, that's the thing. You got to tip your hat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right on, uh, you know, hit the nail on the head on that one for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got some news in the, in the boxing world. I wanted you to go, uh, go into, uh, some of the boxing information that you have here for us tonight. Oh, sure, definitely. And it's been a great week for boxing. And definitely I want to thank Vic Tony. He is the first cousin of the James Tony, James Lights Out Tony, who is a, a friend of our show and friend of myself on, on Facebook. And definitely it was nice to interview Vic Tony. He has a fight. I, I appreciate doing this interview because – it's always cool when you interview someone literally when they have before they have a fight. Their fight is this is tomorrow, Saturday, in Vegas. You know, I I interviewed Vic on Wednesday and Thursday the team flew out to Vegas. So that's they flew out Thursday, they got in Thursday, and Friday they do the weigh in. Saturday is the fight. So they did the weigh in today and tomorrow's the fight. They made weight. But uh Vic Tony, it was a great interview. You could see that on our Facebook page and also on YouTube. It's a great kid. And, you know, I, I admire him with that interview because I just think um, there's a lot of pitfalls that can happen in life. And he, he gives, he describes that very well. I, I he definitely do think that he's going to have to come out here and have fight the fight of his life because the guy he's fighting, which I mentioned in this interview does have a lot of, <clears throat> He does have a lot of – he has more experience than Vic. He does. He has a lot more amateur experience. He won a silver medal in the, in the Olympics. So, I, you know, I, I didn't want to tell Vic, hey, you go, you, 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 you sure about this? You know, <laughs> I, I really <laughs> – I, I definitely do think Vic has a great opportunity to win this fight, but he's going to have to fight a very, very flawed fight. Very little margin for error because the guy he's fighting throws punches and he he's very sharp. Ironically, about this fight, which I talked about in the interview, is I actually watched his competitor, who is Troy Isley, the one I'm talking about. I actually thanks to Top Rank Boxing, they gave us a media pass for for last year in uh, Atlanta, and I actually watched the Small World. I actually watched Troy Isley who in person, ringside. So I see the firsthand, and I think Vic can win this fight, but he's going to have to throw punches, number one. He's going to have to have great defense. He can't just have defense and not return fire. He's going to have to be a bit more aggressive with the fight, return fire, and hopefully try to catch Troy. You know, and um, I would say most people are going to say Troy would have a chance to win this fight, but I'm, I'm going for Vic Tony. He's he's motivated. I think he's he's gonna go ahead and have a great performance. Other great fights that are happening this weekend is the 
Tiafimo Lopez versus Kempa. I definitely do think uh, this would be a big fight for Tiafimo Lopez. I do think he's going to win the fight. He needs to win this fight in order to get his career back on track. So I got Tiafimo Lopez winning. And we have the great Alexander Zayas versus Espadas. I think Zayas is going to win this fight, but I think it's going to be a very close fight for him. I think he's going to be really tested. The kid he's fighting is a tough kid. I think Alexander has a lot of gifts and an upcoming rising star. But if he's not sharp, you could be surprised in this fight. So I got Alexander Zayas winning a very, very close fight. And, you know, a lot of great things are going in boxing. A lot of great news. And, and definitely we appreciate you, the fans, for definitely taking interest in us covering boxing. And that's that's the, we're going to continue to do that here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. And other than that, I wanted to say thank you to Wiki Wright as well as Antonio Tarver Jr. They were at the golf event. Those are two legends. And, uh, you know, it's really cool that uh, I was able to run into them again and and get uh, get those pictures. We're going to try to see if we can work something out where we can have them on our show exclusively. And we, we I did interview Antonio Tarver one time before for our show, but it was kind of like a, an interview and a, talking more about the venue and the event. I, I would love to have Antonio Tarver come on our show and just talk about more about boxing his career. So hopefully we're working on that. But we'll keep you posted on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Absolutely. Great analysis there, too, on the boxing uh, matches that are coming up here soon. So uh, anything else uh, to cover here, Alan, this evening? I think that was about it. Oh, I did want to say thank you to Derek Brooks and all his friends that were at the Celebrity Golf Tournament in Pensacola. It was an outstanding event. And coincidentally, I did ask, which I'm glad you mentioned it, I did ask Tino Martinez, who I wasn't, I, I wasn't expecting to see Tito there. Tito Martinez was there, and I asked him, did he finish watching The Captain? And he said he only got to finish watching Episode 3. So he kind of, I was like, ah. You know, I was already at the Episode 6, and I was, the next, that week was going to be 7. I already watched the whole series, but I didn't want to ask him anything at that point because he wasn't far enough in the documentary. Imagine that. You, you, you do a documentary... <laughs> <laughs> you do a documentary you're in the documentary it's one of your former teammates a captain he only said he watched up to episode 3 I would be too curious for me to not have seen the whole thing but I guess these guys are so famous that they do interviews it's no big deal to them but I would have been curious like hey what's going on in this documentary you know well, I'm sure he probably knows, uh, obviously, you know, some of the things that are going to happen since he was in part of it. But I guess, uh, you know, if you'd spoken to Derek Jeter and he said he'd only watched episode three, that would be pretty embarrassing right there. So, <laughs> yeah, because he's in it. You don't know what part you're going to, you know, it's like you don't know you're in that documentary, too. I'd be curious to see what part did you plug me in? Because, you know, when they do documentaries, they do hours of questions. I'd be curious, okay, what did they use? What did they plug me in? I'd be I'd be curious to know. I mean, I know he knows the story, but come on, man. Episode three. <laughs> but he was honest about it. 
I really couldn't question him about it then. But good thing is I'm going to be posting that video of my thoughts and takeaways from the captain. And we did get an interview from Gary Sheffield. So that will be something I will go ahead and share with you guys too. I did get his thoughts on that. I don't want to spoil that to you because I know some, not everybody watched it, but definitely that's something that uh, I was able to get Gary. I did think I did kind of know Gary was going to be there from the fact that I this the second year I did this, Gary was there last year. So I had a very good inclination he was going to be there this year. And uh, those two surprises came up, Fred McGriff and Tina Martinez. Yeah, two Tampa, two Tampa natives. Uh, of course, uh, uh, crime dog Fred McGriff uh, played for a number of teams over the years. A guy we got to really try to get into the Hall of Fame as well. He was uh, seven home runs shy of 500, which is usually an automatic Hall of Fame um, bid at that point. And I've always felt he belongs uh, in Cooperstown. So we'll have to try to get uh, Fred McGriff onto the show at some point, and we'll have to start campaigning for him to get onto the Veterans Committee list of uh, players uh, to go into the Hall of Fame in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, we I didn't give him our show's number here, and I did mention that we were interested to have him as a guest, him and Tino. So we're going to keep plugging away and see if we can get them on our show. But, yeah, I agree, and I would love to get his thoughts because time is running out for Fred. He needs to if, – if he's going to get it, he's going to have to move. Yeah, I think he's going to end up getting in through the Veterans Committee. I think that's probably his uh, his best route at this point. Uh, you know, and another guy who's a former Yankee, you know, it's funny uh, to bring him up because, you know, you wonder, it's always interesting to wonder what would have happened had one certain thing not occurred, um, you know, in a draft or a, tra- a trade of a player. Don Mattingly was obviously the Yankees' first baseman from, what, 81 to 95. And if it hadn't been for Mattingly, who was well-established at the time, Fred McGriff might have been a long-term first baseman fit there in, um, you know, in New York. And funny enough, we bring up uh, uh, Don Mattingly, of course, when he retires in 95 for the next uh, six, seven seasons, it was Tino Martinez who they had acquired from the Mariners who ended up playing first base uh, for the Yankees. And of course, all those great teams. And I really feel like the character of Tino Martinez was uh, also very, very um, solid for that clubhouse especially those early uh, successful teams, 96, 97, 98, 99, uh, those years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I felt Tino Martinez a really cool guy, just in the interaction of meeting him, really down to earth. And what I love about it is what you saw on TV is the same Tino you see in person. You know, some guys, it's opposite. You know, you what you see on TV, you don't get in person, or you – it's it, the you don't you don't see a great maybe quote or they're not good in front of the camera but they're really cool off the camera. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit of both. Yeah, that is pretty. Neat. And you, you had a few other guys that were there too. Uh, you mentioned Derek Brooks, uh, Gary Sheffield, uh, Tino Martinez, Freddie McGriff, and there was somebody else there. I forgetting who it was. Uh, I recognize who it was, but I can't remember their name. So, uh, But a really cool event. I know you were at one just like that a year ago or so. And yeah. uh, some similar similar names, similar faces were there. So really cool stuff. We've got a really cool thing going on in this program. Um, you know, if you're a first-time listener here tonight, uh, definitely tune us in every uh, Friday night. Um, 
you know, throughout the year, there's a few nights, of course, we're not here during holidays, but for the most part, I'd say what 45, 50 times a year, we're, we're on, uh, entertaining you, trying to, um, you know, go over the most uh, recent sports news. And, you know, we have a lot of fun. We bring up some good topics and, and have some, uh, interesting, uh, uh, guests on our show. We've had a few of those yes. here lately as well. So, uh, I want to thank, uh, once again, our great sponsor, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, and, of course, our uh, guest caller here tonight, uh, Lou, for giving uh, some time here to us on the program. We will be back again next Friday as we're uh, basically in the middle of August now. Hard to believe that. Pennant race is heating up uh, uh, over Major League Baseball, so we'll get into that. And, of course, uh, we're in the first week of the preseason in the NFL right now, so we'll be going a little bit more in-depth on that topic as well. So for Lou and for Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a pleasant evening, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron's Full Stop Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.